Hey friends, welcome to episode 13 of Quest Rewind, where last week we actually talked about some of the games that we went back to from 2002 and provided a fresh perspective. We talked about games like The Elder Scrolls Morrowind, uh, Medal of Honor Frontline, and Crash Bandicoot The Huge Adventure, which was a Crash Bandicoot game on the Game Boy Advance. So if you haven't, definitely go back to the previous episode, episode 12, and check that one out. And for this one, we're just going to be having a part two. We are going to be playing some more games and providing that modern perspective, as modern as we can, from very old games that some, maybe they should have been left in the past. Others, maybe they're still great. We're going to be doing that with yours truly, Juan from Puerto Rico. I'm Ryan from Boston. And I'm Keith from London, Ontario, Canada. And uh, I'm curious because each one of us chose two games, right? So we had one game apiece previous episode, one game here. When going back, talking about like a game genre, what goes through that decision-making process? Like in your case, Keith, you chose a first-person shooter for this one without spoiling the game yet, even though it's probably in the title, so it's going to say it anyway. How do you go from first-person to racing? Well... For me, it was a. I tried to choose games that I have a fondness for from my childhood, and then evaluate if they still hold up the way that I like them. Now, it wasn't exactly the case with the first-person shooter, Medal of Honor, last week, but it might be a little different this week with our little racing game that I chose. Which yeah, is, right, should, should case, I say uh, it or okay? Yeah, no. I mean, I, th- I think that's a pretty good fair <laughs> fair comparison and motivation to, to really get us there. Now, Ryan, the game that you're going to be talking about in just a few minutes, I feel like Keith would usually be the one to pick that. So what goes into your head sometimes about, hey, let's, let's, let's step outside the box. Let's break that, that comfort zone and talk about something else. Yeah, so I wanted to pick games that maybe I was interested in or dabbled in very lightly back then, but never really gave them a fair shot. So that's why I picked a game like Morrowind. And in this case, I'm going to be talking about Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, which is a game I did rent and played a tiny bit of, but felt like I hadn't played that genre enough to be like ready for that game back then to to really dive into it. So it was something I wanted to go back to and something that was a game that was very advanced for its time. And I, I was curious to see if at all, it it held up. I remember with Splinter Cell, I think it was GamePro. Uh, it was a while before I was just so impressed by uh, by the cover, right? You know, like back then, video game covers were a big freaking deal, especially around E3 or something. And I think you can't talk about Splinter Cell without thinking about the goggles, right? And that was like the big thing that I'd see the previews and think to myself, I mean, I'm Sam a big Fisher fan of... Uh, nothing without those night vision goggles. Yeah, exactly. That That is Splinter Cell. But then you're coming off the, the heels of a game like Metal Gear Solid, you know, and Sons of Liberty. So there is this desire for espionage. You have other games like Hitman, right, that are not exactly the same. But you take on this character and you have more decision, more decisions, not in an open world perspective, because if anything, it's very narrow. But what you do in this mission structure, it's not just, hey, here's the enemy. You kill them, right? You got to be stealthier and things like that. So... Uh, Keith, in your case, before we get to Ryan, like, what did you think about this back in the day, especially being such a big Metal Gear fan? To be honest, me being a Metal Gear fan made me strongly dislike Splinter Cell back in the day because oh boy. 
I, I've always contested that comparison where it's um, like, oh, if you like Metal Gear, you must like Splinter Cell. Like, no, they're actually two very different things where Splinter Cell is like the most hardcore tactical espionage game. Like, that is all about sneaking. Where in Metal Gear, it is a insane situation um, based in some sneaking stuff along the way. Like, to me, it's always been like saying, oh, you like Call of Duty, so you must like Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. Like, no, they're two point, very, yeah. very, very different games. And I remember playing Splinter Cell back in the day and not liking it for that reason. Like, I've tried it a couple of times, and the only one I kind of got into was Conviction on the Xbox and still didn't have the best time with that, And even though they tried to do something different. So splinter cell something that's always bounced off of me and i'm i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it ryan not having that metal gear anchor attached to you saying no you need to hate this (laughs) yeah please take us through that go ahead my friend absolutely so yeah i have played metal gear solid one just for context i haven't played the other ones yet there you go so yeah i boot up splinter cell and right away there is a very dated intro that is hilarious. Uh, it's like showing all these like badass shots of like him sniping and it looks very <laughs> cheesy and it's playing that uh, music that's like, that's the name of the game. Like that. It's like, that's the name of the game. It's hilarious. And at that point, you kind of want to you think to yourself. Do I turn it off or do I keep going? <laughs> no, you're, I was I was you're loving in it. 2002 now, oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was eating this. It's like the watch along we did. Yeah, at the so conference. The game actually I think takes place in 2004 for some reason, like 2 years ahead of when the game the future. Yeah, when it was created. <laughs> but yeah, once you actually get into the intro of the game and the cutscenes, it really feels like that uh George W. Bush era like post 9-11 politics type of stuff going on um and you're going to i mean i a lot of the stuff they're talking about is even like going over my head as like what's actually going on but you're going to the country of georgia not the state of georgia (laughs) and there's some is the devil there did he go down there (laughs) and there's some political thing going on and i wasn't really able to follow it but then obviously you start the training mission because sam fisher's back in the game you know with the nsa i think um, <laughs> He's talked about the the, guys. yeah <laughs> so when we get to the actual training tutorial like i immediately remembered that warehouse that you started and i was like okay mm-hmm. i definitely remember at least getting through this tutorial and it's very much appreciated because you learn about all the different things you can do uh, like grabbing ledges and like when you climb on a pipe or something like you can actually have it so that you can bring your legs up if you need to get through like um, if there was like a smaller gap and you're still climbing on the pipe um, and just all the different things you can do like learning about dealing with certain security cameras um, there's some security cameras that you can shoot and they'll be destroyed but there's other armored security cameras where you actually will have to shoot out lights so that it's dark and that you can get by them. So it was very detailed about all the the different things you can do. You can jump off. You can do like a wall kick that 
is a hilariously bad animation. And then you can also like do basically like a Rob Van Dam like split on a wall. Like if you're trying to hide. That was the freaking best. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So I mean, that was that was pretty, pretty darn cool. And just learning all those techniques, you know, you can hide bodies in a slightly dark area and people are too stupid to find them. <laughs> you know, all the classic like Hitman style stealth stuff. So once I got through the tutorial and played the first mission, it was it was very like the first level is difficult. Like, but fortunately, like previously, when I talked about Morrowind, you can save at any point. So if you make it past a part and you want to just save there so you can do kind of trial and error through the next section, you can do exactly that. And that's the way I'd recommend because it's very easy to mess up all the time and get caught. But as I was playing through it, like first you just start on the street and you have to climb up a ladder. You have to like jump to catch a ladder, climb up and then like go through an opening to get into a building. It was really cool and I was finding myself having a lot of fun with it and I feel like as I was playing I was like this game really honestly doesn't even feel dated like it felt just as like not just as good but it felt more like I was playing like a PS3 or Xbox 360 game than I was playing like an Xbox original game like it definitely felt like it was ahead of the the genre like a like ahead of the console generation that was on. Like I was very actually impressed by like the cloth physics or whatever. Like there'd be like drapes like hanging that you would like go that through in a hallway. That was a big hall- deal, yeah. Yeah, that you go yeah. through in a hallway and it like was very good. Um it was just funny how many like computers are around where you go up and you like type on a computer and you get a little piece of data, but um you would like first you're like sneaking into this apartment building and you have to find like a key code to get through the door. So um, there's like computers you can go to, but then there's one that's like behind a painting that you have to find. But I was very impressed with um, when I first, you know, there was one time I got into the house and like I used one of the computers right at the entrance of the house. Um, It doesn't really have anything substantial, but it was like a piece of data or something. But I ended up like dying at some point earlier, so I had to replay that part. And I ended up getting into a shootout with a guy and the guy was near the window on the outside of the house. And I ended up shooting him a bunch of times, but obviously some bullets went through the window. So when I went back into the house to the computer I went to earlier, it was actually broken because I had shot through the house and shot that computer. So it was like busted up. So I was like, okay, like it's got some like pretty advanced details for like this console generation. Um, and eventually you find your way to like a police precinct or whatever that you have to identify these like two bodies or whatever they're in the morgue. Um, and you get once you're able to get into the police station, like there's a hallway and you get to like shoot out the lights and then like sneak up on a guy and kill him or incapacitate them or whatever. I was so bad at stealth. I ended up basically killing everybody in the entire precinct <laughs> and then it was like sometimes it alerts you if you leave a room and you didn't properly hide a body it would be like oh uh 
a body has been found, but it was like nobody came after me because I killed literally everyone. <laughs> hey, that's a, there's yes, nobody to chase you. Plan all dead. <laughs> yeah, yep. so uh, that was basically the way to do it. Uh, but it, I had a lot of fun with it. Like there was one point where like I went up some stairs and well, actually, I had picked a lock to get into a broom closet and I grabbed a bottle. And then I went all the way up to the top floor because I was trying to figure out how to get past this guy. So I opened the door and I threw the bottle and then like the door closed again. So when he went to go check it out, then I opened the door again, snuck up behind him and like took him out. Then I put him in his little like reception area and shut the light off. Um, so it was like really like really cool stuff. Um, and I was really impressed with it. And I would probably go back and honestly play more of it. Uh, another thing I was trying to think of that I was. Uh, oh, yeah. One thing I did find funny that I kind of like learned to cheese was there's a segment in the tutorial where there's like glass and stuff on the ground and you have to walk on it slowly to not make noise. But I figured out if you just spam the W over and over again and as he just like inches like kind of like stuttering yeah. inching or like along the animation you, yeah Classic you don't make mechanics. yeah you just kind of slide around and you never move your feet and you're just sliding across the floor and you don't make any noise so that's basically kind of like a thing where you can just cheese a lot of the game by just spamming w crouch slowly and that you never make noise and then you can just See, you're no stealth you people. broke the game right yeah you broke yeah. the game but yeah so long story short i think it holds up pretty dang well and i would actually play some more of that game Damn, I mean, just listening to you, I kind of want to go back and playing it because I did play it on Xbox. I forget when I bought my Xbox, but it was one of the first games that I played with it. And I remember much like Prince of Persia, it was just fascinating. It was that current generation game, right? There were PS1 games and all that, but okay, th this is what the new generation is going to be all about. And I'm curious to get your perspective on one of the biggest things, and I know, Keith, you know about this, is alert or being detected. Like these games that the whole thing is about not being caught. Sometimes when you're caught, it's not a very fun game because then it kind of feels like, well, do I do I just get myself killed to start over again? Do I get the job done? How was that experience for you when you were caught? I mean, you, you told us you killed everybody. That solves the problem. <laughs> but how was that process of this is how the game clearly wants you to play, which is not being detected. But when when shit hits the wall or the fan, maybe even like, how is that for you? It does, Why is it hitting the wall? Yeah, it <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, it's yeah. Sam Fisher, man. How do you think he sticks to the walls? <laughs> it, it felt like, um, at least in the early levels, I don't know how it gets later on, but it did feel like in the early levels, if you did get caught, it's not like the whole entire level of enemies come after you. It seemed like people who were close by would come after you. And it also felt like you could actually hide again, even if you were caught and have the threat go away so it definitely felt manageable i'm sure that gets much harder as you as you move on i did play a little bit of the beginning of the of the next level i did complete the first mission it took me a while but i did complete it and then i started the second mission and then um got decent way through it but then i was like okay i'm i'm i you know i gotta i gotta move on i got things to do I'm sure it gets a lot harder, but it did feel pretty forgiving. Um, the, the thing was like health is few and far between and 
the health pack only gives you maybe like 25 percent of your health. So uh, at some points I was like I had like a shred of health. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a thing to uh, to you had to be conscious of. Because maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I remember the splinter cells being like considerably less forgiving about being caught than something like a Metal Gear Solid. Because that was always the big difference between the two for me. Like if I, I'm, I love Metal Gear. I am not good at sneaking games. I always get caught and I eventually just pull out the big gun and kill everybody in the area and move on. And I remember that being pretty um, unforgiving in Splinter Cell. And this could be totally me misremembering it because it's been many of years since I've played it. But yeah, I, I remember that being a lot harder and that's I think a big you reason of what die, turned me off. You can die very quickly. I will say that. But I feel like if you just gun down, like if two guys are after you, you just gun them down. It's not like you got seven more on the way. At least that's what it was yeah. like for me in the early level. Like if I got caught, it was like the other guy who was on that floor would come after me. But yeah, if you you're not going to last long in a firefight, but if you take them out quickly, it's not like they send the house at you. Okay. And just in case, uh, this game got a 91 on Metascore. So uh, by far one of the highest rated games of the year. It got a number four best PC game of 2003 once that version eventually came out. So needless to say, uh, Splinter Cell was a, a really, really a big game. And yeah, it came out on PS2. Uh, much like we mentioned in the previous episode, there are HD editions. And I'm just curious, like how many Splinter Cell games do you guys think there are? Just like a pop quiz here. I'm going to guess four. Okay, we got four. I'm gonna guess six. It's I'm gonna I'm torn between six or seven. Well, according to this, we actually have nine, <laughs> which is oh. kind of mind blowing because we have Splinter Cell, uh, Pandora Tomorrow, which came out two mm -hmm. years after that one. Chaos Theory is next. Yeah, Chaos Theory is after uh, that one. Um, I don't know if you can still somehow, but it had like a really badass multiplayer. Apparently, I never played. Oh it. yeah, spies versus mercs, friggin' rule. I regret never playing that, that game. That was good. That you know, if there's one thing that Splinter Cell had over Metal Gear, it was they actually did the stealth multiplayer mode right because Metal Gear Three tried yeah. so hard to be spies versus stealth, mercs, it was but not. just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, then we got Splinter Cell's Essentials, which was on the PSP. Then Double Agent, uh, Conviction. Uh, Blacklist, we got the HD Trilogy Remaster. Um, so we got a couple games here between one and, a, and another. So people, like if you care about Splinter Cell, we would love to get your feedback. Just listening to Ryan talk, I kind of do want to go back into that game and, and play a little bit, kind of yeah. like I'm, I'm going back and playing uh, Prince of Persia Warrior Within right now. The, the second game after Sense of Time, is it Warrior Within? I'm playing it, but I forgot the name already. I the Godsmack one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, now, Keith, in your case, we're going to completely switch genres and just everything. But I feel like when you talk about racing games, people will often refer to, yeah, there's like the Gran Turismos and all that. But then there's also like Need for Speed Underground uh, and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Like, I feel like mm -hmm. so many people just have those soundtracks and gameplay jammed into their freaking minds. So I mean, talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. 
a lot like wrestling. This was most of my musical taste came from those games. It was part of it up as a as a uh, as my childhood. So, which game uh, did you pick, my friend, and why? For today, I played Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Two, and I find this game to be fascinating. I played it a lot growing up, but. In a lot of ways, this was like the last of the old guard for Need for Speeds. For for context, it is a sequel, a quote-unquote sequel to Need for Speed Hot... No, not Hot Pursuit. Need for Speed 3 <laughs> yeah, it's a very different type of Hot game. Pursuit. So Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 is the sequel to Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit. Okay, <laughs> I got it. Moving on. Oh. Are you confused yet? Good. You should be. So I mean, this... think about this, because otherwise the other name would have been Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit 2. <laughs> I, I can kind of see why they, why just, I, they decided to I, go with that. I understand why they made the or choice. Or Need for Speed did, but 4 Hot Pursuit 2. <laughs> actually, it oh would goodness. be... Wow, right. It would be Need for Speed 6 Hot Pursuit 2, because in between those two games, they had Need for Speed High Stakes <laughs> and Need for Speed Porsche Unleashed. Oh, Again, oh my I will ask, confused, good, because oh. you should be. <laughs> so, like, like I mentioned, this is kind of the last of the old guard of the Need for Speed games. Like a lot of the time in the PS1 and early PS2 era, era, there was the racing ones and then there was the police ones. And I always loved the two police ones that they had. The And what I mean by police ones is that it's not only a racing game, but you're also being chased by the cops at the same time. So at various points in races, you'll get heat, quote unquote, and then... Uh, cops will try and stop you, ram you off the road, throw helicopters at you, um, sometimes literally, and set up spike strips. And like it adds a whole other element to the game that I consider to make a lot of like it, it added a lot of fun as an arcade racer because when you think about Need for Speed, you kind of have to separate it from everything else that's going on in the racing genre if you want it to be considered a great game. Because we're in 2002, this game is coming out, and I think it's impossible to think of the game without recognizing that Gran Turismo 3 is already out at this point, and it's already been out for a while. Because if, you if you're looking for that racing simulator game and like really testing out cars and seeing what they can do and the performance stuff, like this game doesn't hold a frickin' candle to Gran Turismo 3. Like In my opinion, that's one of the best racing games of all time. But if you take it for what it is, I actually think that Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 is a lot of fun. You go back to it, it's a... There's not a lot of tracks in the game, but they're very open, where you have to learn all of the shortcuts if you're going to succeed in the later games. If you just follow the road, it gets pretty dull pretty quick, but there's so many shortcuts that you can take to either A, try and beat your opponents, or B, try to get away from the cops. It adds a whole lot of like dynamic... Uh, events to the race where you can play it where not a lot of them will be the exact same because you can either choose to take a shortcut one time or hey you need to adapt because 
the cops ran you off the road and you, you missed that shortcut because of it. So now you kind of have to recover and figure out how you're going to win this race. So that's the racing side of the game. Then there's also the cop side of the game where you actually get to, for a few certain missions, you get to play as the police and try and uh, take people off the road. You're given like a strip of highway and then you're supposed to see how many people you can take off the road in that strip. So, and you get like power ups where you can lay down spite strips. You can get helicopters that for some reason, which is super illegal, they don't like just try and stop them. They throw flaming barrels at cars, those helicopters. <laughs> Damn. Do. Wow. So they, you are stopping them in the most extreme way possible as the police. And I find that gameplay to be a lot of fun. The game itself is very much like here is a series of races that you need to complete. It's like set out almost like a, a tech tree where you start at the top and then you unlock more as you go down and you earn points. And with those points, you can buy different cars and check out different events and it's all split out into time trials and races and those cop races so it's very formulaic in that way but the openness and getting to play with those cars in a very arcadey sense i still found it to be a lot of fun and fascinating in the way that like i mentioned this was the last of the old need for speed because directly after this then we got need for speed in its uh, street racing phase where the next one was need for speed underground and they kind of stayed with that for a really long time yeah they that's when need for speed kind of lost its mark and then eventually they remade or they did like a redo of hot pursuit way down the line i think it was like 2010 or something like that and going back to the cops and street racer style of gameplay so it's really cool to see the evolution of need for speed and in a weird way how this game kind of influenced games like Burnout later on, being that very much open world, take the track that you feel comfortable with as long as you make it to the destination. It was a lot of fun to go back and check out. So I'm curious, like, what's your take on, you know, Gran Turismo 3 was a huge freaking deal. I, I freaking love playing that game. And in a time where we did get to start getting into more simulation. I mean, largely it was still not the case, but much like, you know, you talked about Medal of Honor Frontline in the previous episode, the the need, not for speed, but the need for realism is <laughs> kind of lurking there in this generation. Yet this game, like people still play it, right? Like I actually played mm -hmm. this game. I owned this game back in the day and it's just fun. The same way that I love Burnout, like, Racing games are not something I particularly get into now, but you give me a good arcade racer, dude, you've lost me. Like I will sink my teeth into that. Like I play Blur on the 360, which I don't know if you guys knew about that, but imagine real cars, but it's Mario Kart with real freaking vehicles. It's unbelievable. It rules. It's a great game. Yeah, it's a great game. And, it, and in this case, knowing that it's an arcade game, like as you played it, like, yeah, visually we can talk about it maybe not holding up, but if you if you look past that, mechanically speaking, like talk to me about that. Is it something that still holds up? And and if I had never played it, would you tell me, hey Juan, twenty twenty two, you should play it? Absolutely, I think it holds up quite well. The problem with realism is that 
eventually realism fades like things look nicer things get more precise you add more tuning options in racing games in the later ones and those old ones become more difficult to go back and see and i mean especially when you're looking at some of those tracks that are in the realistic racing games like gran turismo why would you go back and look at an a worse version of Laguna Seca or whatever that thing's called when you can go play a later one and Very see true. the exact same thing, but nicer with these arcadey games like need for speed, hot pursuit too. They're not going for that. So I think they age a heck of a lot better because it's just, it's just kind of a situation where it is what it is. Like you're having fun, you're getting chased by the police. You either evade them or you get caught and you try again, you do the races, you go through those and then you're done. It's not like trying to sit there and perfectly fine to that car. The car you get is the car you get and you're either going to like it or hate it. And if you don't try the next one, and I find that a lot easier to like kind of jump into as well so even if you're not having a great time hey guess what you didn't put that much time into it you tried you can move on to something else but i think this is a game that you should absolutely go back and check out if you have a fondness for that kind of arcade style racer again because of the groundwork that it laid for the games that came after it i think it is important that way absolutely in in your case ryan i don't think we've really talked about racing games like you and me like what's your take especially back then with these uh types of games i mean i played a few here and there most of the racing games i played like were what was it like uh, what is that game cruising usa i had played oh and, yeah those are amazing um, you know obviously baby top yeah, game of all time obviously mario kart and i did play burnout 3 but this, that was probably a few years later oh, but that need was for great, speed though. I may have played yeah. the original Hot Pursuit. Um, I don't know if it was Hot Pursuit 1 or 2, but I definitely played one of them like years ago, randomly on the PC. So I don't know if both of them have a PC version, but I was like at my uncle's house and he randomly had that game and I had a ton of fun with it. So I, you know, I only played it for a few hours. Uh, I'm guessing it was the original Hot Pursuit. But uh, it was very enjoyable, so I'd be curious to go back and, and try it out. And racing games are always just very easy to pick up and play, so uh, that'd be a fun, fun thing to try out. Absolutely, and I think it's um, it's a genre that really ages gracefully. And at the same time, it's always been the genre that people used to highlight, like the next generations. You know, you look at your Forzas now, and it's always like, look at these shiny cars, but. If you want like a pick up and play game, you really can't go wrong with a racing game. It's like you don't have to like cars to just like like cruising the world, cruising USA. There's that new one on Switch and all that. And just to give you guys some context, uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 got an 89 and was ranked uh, among the, the number 10 best PS2 game of 2002. And I think rightfully so. Okay. Now I asked you guys how many Splinter Cell games there are. If I were to ask you how many uh, Need for Speed games there are, how many are there? Oh, I, God. I'm just going to give you a, a hint. It's not five. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess 30. All right. I'm going to okay. say 23. Oh, <laughs> 22. You're oh. off by one. So You're close. I almost said 22. 
Yeah, because like uh, you got Need for Speed Heat, Payback. I- I'm just going to say the names just so we see like why it can be so confusing over time. <laughs> so we have for, from most recent to like the first, Need for Speed Heat, Payback, Need for Speed, Need for Speed No Limits, Need for Speed Rivals, Need for Speed Most Wanted, The Run, Shift to Unleashed, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2, Need for Speed World, Nitro, Shift, Undercover, Pro Street, Carbon, Most Wanted, Underground 2, Underground 1, then we got Porsche Unreleased, uh, or it's un- Unleashed. Yeah, this yes. uh, this thing got no, it wrong. No, it did it's get released. <laughs> yeah, it got released. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, but that that Porsche though, that got unreleased. Then we got uh, Hot Pursuit, Need for Speed Two, and the original. There's a lot of names in there that it's like, wait, is this a remaster of that one or is this a reimagining of this one? So I can totally get the uh, the confusion. Now for me. I decided to play it safe with uh, one of my favorite games of all time, and that is uh, Time Splitters 2. So I I didn't play the first game till after playing the third, because the first game was essentially a PS2 title with one of the worst box arts of all time. It was generic box art number five, just this random Android-looking thing. And then with two... I got it because a lot of people just said, hey, if you like GoldenEye, which, oof, I mean, GoldenEye spent, I forget how many hours on N64. I didn't own a lot of N64 games. I was, I think it was like the third game I ever bought uh, just because it was that good. So you really didn't have to sell me on the idea other than if you like GoldenEye, you're going to like this. And what I love about it is there's a lot of personality in this game. And it was one of the first games in that time, and it's still, you know, playing it now. I can definitely feel like it it helped it age. It wasn't looking for realism in animation and in art style. It's not cel shaded, but it's got this cartoony aesthetic, like overly large bodies or, or certain body parts and all that. And mechanically, even from the start menu to everything else. <laughs> what did I say, Ryan? What did I say? Which body parts are we talking about here? <laughs> Which ones do you want to know about? This game is about time travel. We can time travel someplace. No? No? All right. But so you travel through time. You got to take down the bad guys and all that stuff, Ryan. <laughs> Damn it. My goodness. For once, Keith is the adult here. For once, Keith, how does that feel? Uh, weird. It doesn't didn't happen again. <laughs> right? No. Stuff. Something went wrong somewhere along the way. But what I love about this game is that you know you brought up Medal of Honor in the previous episode. Just as far as you're going back to like World War II, with this game you go through periods because you are splitting through time. Hence time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to derail you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I have never seen Ryan just like <laughs> constantly trying to not laugh, and then Keith just being disappointed in that. I'm, I'm I don't enjoying even know every why. Normally, I'm on board with this, but something about this whole thing has just rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm <laughs> deeply annoyed about the whole thing. <laughs> it's part of it. It's part of it. But this game, like the the actual gameplay, is so freaking good, people. And I played the GameCube version, and I, I I actually owned the trilogy on PS2, but I wanted to play the GameCube break game because that's the version that I beat back in the day. And what I actually did, and I didn't know about this until I looked it up online, so I emulated it. 
uh, via Dolphin, but I have the um, the Nintendo Switch GameCube adapter, and I have GameCube controllers, and you can just download a driver update, and just like that, I'm playing Time Splitters two in two K quality with an original GameCube controller, and That's guys, cool. like the first twenty minutes was an adjustment period. I'm not going to sit here and say I was enjoying the game because twin stick shooting or two like using two analog sticks was not a thing this game really embraced once you realized this is the game i really enjoyed it like i forgot just how much style the game has just how responsive it feels like you mentioned ryan when you talked about morrowind when you were hacking and slashing like you you don't feel like it's really happening, but yeah. here it's kind of like Goldeneye. You know what I mean? When you hit a, an enemy, it's got that. It, it's got these little sound effects. It feels so rewarding. And playing this game, I felt exactly that. I was struggling with the controls the whole way. But forty. Do they minutes have the Goldeneye sound effects where somebody dies and they go like? It was so good. Or the, and, and it's the got slapper some of that stuff. noise. <laughs> yeah, the. <laughs> And when you get Everybody shot, <sighs> it's so good. That was probably it's great into the microphone. Golden Eye ASMR. Oh, yeah. But those yeah. things are so good about it, right? And in this game, you travel uh, from space to like Chicago. Like you go through different time periods. <laughs> the, the classic you know, space. <laughs> the classic Chicago. destination. Chicago. From space to Chicago. Classic <laughs> Egypt to Siberia to Chicago to outer space. <laughs> it's like the second place you go time to. Time splitting, it. folks. And it's like very stereotypical, like, hey, Tony, it's like these bad guys. We've got to take them out. <laughs> yeah, you go get these jaloops over there. Yeah. Yeah. The, like some of the voiceover would definitely be reworked because it would just be able to stereotyping but man there's something beautiful about the really short mission structure because it's just like mission to mission you're not walking around between them and you die a lot like i died oof more than i could count but when it clicks and you take from like 20 minutes like you can get by a mission in half the time there's something about that memorization, that practice, and and you guys know I don't do well with dying in games and and like trying again. I don't do that. But with this one, it wasn't nostalgia. It was like, damn it, I want to see the end of this mission. I like looking at the environment. Some of them are a little bit empty. Like going back to your Medal of Honor approach, my the same principles apply here. It's hallways and modifications of hallways and. It's like these big Chicago streets, but they're so empty. It, it's ridiculous. And and it, it's cute in that I see what you're going for. Tech's not exactly there, but I applaud you for it. But then when everything gets good, like this game, you can create maps and multiplayer. Um, the, the third game, I forget if they changed the, the actual controls. I don't think that they did. But I first went into it thinking... I don't think I would suggest somebody play this game now, but after playing it for for over two hours now, I think it's at least interesting to look at, hey, this is the forgotten control scheme. This is the after GoldenEye, after Halo, kind of during Halo, and they're still figuring it out. It's not Medal of Honor Frontline, which I think that game had a much more modern control layout compared to this one. But overall, man, I... I, if you ask me to keep playing it, 
I would keep playing it right now. And nostalgia is not a thing that blinds me from playing games. Like if I liked a game back then and I don't like it now and I'm not going to play it, I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to convince myself yet. I'm sitting here thinking, man, screw the first game, but I, I kind of want to go back through those, uh, those uh, second and third games. Like, did you guys ever play any of them or know about them? Yeah, I've played Time Splitters 2 and 3 in the past, and I don't think it can be iterated enough when you say that this game has golden eye controls like at first until you learn the until you learn the intricacies of it like this is golden eye like if you know how golden eye plays this is how this game plays it's and you can look at that as a good thing or you can look at that as a bad thing i found that in, or i find it interesting that you were eventually able to adapt to it after a uh, after a while because especially on a gamecube controller that seems like the most oh, unwieldy yeah, the thing stick. possible c stick look i get it it looks neat the, 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 the little yellow thing that's not meant for shooting games <laughs> it is it doesn't yeah. work i've i've always had people tell me about the game like i had a friend um you know through middle school and high school always raved about uh time splitters too and i just his name I, was one his name is not Juan. I heard about it before I met Juan, but of course, I know Juan raves about it as I well. I talked about this a lot back yeah. in the day, people. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I've never gotten around to playing it. I'm curious if it's a rare like game, like on GameCube. Is it pretty expensive? I'm, I'm not sure. They, maybe they've definitely maybe gone up. A pro- up I mean, but. hey expensive gamecube games apply so yeah, they're any all GameCube expensive game now, they're all but these expensive definitely have fine. gone up actually uh, as uh the price I'm keith, keith could you do the research yeah i i'm legit yeah. curious of even according, just like the ps2 versions too according to this on ebay for a time splitters nintendo gamecube cib authentic it is yeah. 50 canadian dollars wow and that is like 45 US? Yeah, like 40. Yeah, that's okay. not terrible. For GameCube prices, that's normal, right? Like that, like 20 to $40 GameCube. Uh, I'm curious here. Time splitters. Yeah, it doesn't seem awful. Let's see here. The PS2 version, I'm seeing... I see $20 complete. And then yeah, uh, about $28 I'm the, the complete game is actually GameCube. more expensive. Yeah. That's according to price charting. Yeah, it, it varies. So it's actually not too bad. But uh, it's it's always interesting to to have these conversations because it it does beg, and then we'll talk about this last uh, maybe after next week's episode once we torture ourselves with some bad games. But yeah, now it is difficult where we are adults. We maybe have some expendable income, but some game prices are just freaking out of this world, right? Like. It's easy for me to sit here as I play. Like, I emulated it, but as I mentioned, I own these games, so I could just pop a disc in. It's like, SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, one of our favorite games, and that came out in 2003. That's actually like $50 now. So it's very easy for us, in hindsight, to recommend that. Can you imagine to somebody that didn't grow up playing these games around that time, doesn't have nostalgia, it's like, you want me to spend $50 on a thing from 20 years ago? That they're probably not going to like. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it is so difficult. Well, like, to use the Here Comes the Pain example, would you rather spend $50 on Here Comes the Pain or some of those modern wrestling games? I mean, that, 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 Here that Comes is the true. Pain 11 times out of 10. That well, is true. That is true. Here Comes the Pain. 
As, as we begin to close out, I'm curious, Keith, could you look up uh, prices for Time Splitter uh, for a Hot Pursuit 2 and Splinter Cell? Like, I do think it's interesting to just just take a look at what are the prices now, because especially in 2021, 2020, those retro prices were far higher than usual. On it. Oh, well, I have price charting up for Splinter Cell. Complete, it says $7 for X- Xbox games, I feel like, are a yeah, steal dude, Xbox a steal game right collecting, now. like OG, super cheap, man. And, even and I feel $13 like that's on the GameCube. I didn't even realize Splinter Cell came out on the game. Oh, I guess it's the next gen. Uh, I forgot. It's like a different gen. That's why. And I'm looking on eBay, and it's about 15 bucks for a copy of Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 for the PS2. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So uh, I've really enjoyed these back-to-back episodes of just not really having like such a structure other than, hey, we, we each picked a game, right? And we didn't talk about our experiences till we get here because like, uh, I, I think it does motivate us to think like, do I genuinely like to go back and play older games? Or is that, oh, well, I played this back in the day. So of course it's something you go back to. And and Keith, like I, I like actually like to close this off with you because I think this is even pre-cast of the past. You would be the one between the three of us that you would kind of say, I kind of just like, I, I don't really do the whole like retro game collecting or playing a lot of older games, generally speaking. So how was your experience of going back now playing these? Like, do, do you want to go back and experience like a 2003 or four? Or is it kind of like, no, you, you, just, you just play the games that you play now? No, I think there's a an appeal to go back and pick and choose games from older years, older generations, and, you know, just playing a couple hours of them, whether it be through emulation or having a copy it is pretty accessible to do that these days and it's nice to be able to go into it and you know try these games that maybe you missed or relive these games that maybe you have a fondness for without going through the insanity that can be game collecting like hey yeah. i i enjoyed these experiences listening to you guys talk about your cibs still make the uh, my eyes roll into the back of my head i can't take it so there there's there's a line there and i think this is a really nice balance of that for me anyway what about you ryan I really do always enjoy going back and and playing those games I never got a chance to to complete and trying them out because there's so many games out there that I haven't played and a lot of times you can find a way to play them in an inexpensive way. Yes, game collecting has gotten out of control with prices and stuff, but if you really just want to play the game and you're not trying to have a cardboard box or something that goes along with it. It's generally not that difficult to find a loose copy or find a console that allows you to just download the game. Uh, I mean, between Steam and the PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo stores, most games are on one of those, you know, so uh, and if not, they're even, you know, getting a loose copy of a game usually isn't too, too bad. Yeah, very, very true. And uh, like I mentioned in the previous episode, people, like if there's any genre, year, just just something that you'd like us to get our our, our thoughts about. Like, I, I love this one to two hour perspective because I guarantee you if each one of us played the game in full, 
it, it is a different experience, right? And look, mm-hmm. most people statistically, it's like, do you know how many times people have played the first level of Super Mario World or like the first three, right? It's like you go back to a game. That's what a lot of people do. And that's fine, right? It, it is fine. So it's interesting to get our thought of like, what is the, that, the first hour or two? And that is why next week, people, we're just going to be torturing ourselves with some crap. We're going to be just talking about, <laughs> we're going to go crap to the past. With some not so great games. <laughs> crap rewind. Uh, crap <laughs> oh, rewind. I never that is gonna be have a crap rewind. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh, no. People, I think we're gonna leave it there. So yep. if you like that, catch you next week and drop that five star rating on on Spotify or anything else. That's been it. Request rewind or crap rewind, whichever one you like. <laughs>